0: The most important thing we've seen it so many times when we're brokering, people kind of let the energy go, the emotion Mm. drops, and they suddenly stop doing the stuff in the business that they need to do to keep it going. And while it's on the market, it starts dropping and dropping and dropping. And that's the worst thing that can happen. So when you go into that sale mode and decide, yes, I'm going to sell the business. Then's the time to really get focused and stay in the business just for the time when you're selling it. Don't let it go at that last minute.
1: This is Super Fast Business with James Shranko. James. Schramko. Helping you build your business super fast. 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 James Franco Welcome back to superfastbusiness.com. This is episode 704. And today, we're going to pose the question, is your business worth more than you think? And for that, I've brought in business experts, Matt and Liz Raad. Welcome.
0: Thank you, James. G'day, James. How are you
1: going? I'm going great. Now, if you hear any extra birds in the background, I'm recording outdoors today. I've uh, decided to get in a little bit of fresh air, enjoy the lovely warm summer weather here in Sydney. And also there's a tradesperson in my house drilling. So <laughs> That uh, was, was the driver of the choice. But the content that we've got so important today, we really had to press ahead and ask this question, because in the business you're in, you get to see a lot of deals going through with website sales and online businesses. I'd love to get just a little snapshot into your background, where you came from and how you ended up in that field. And then let's talk about some of the subtleties of um, how we might be able to determine if our business actually has any value or not. Fantastic. Cool.
0: All right. Well, I mean, if you want to go right back, we're actually zoologists. so.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's so bizarre. Yeah, I don't know if I have any other ex zoologists in my catchment. We
2: were actually Australia's leading experts on red kangaroo, or destined to be Australia's leading experts on red kangaroos. And um, we did but a lot of work, but then
0: business captured us. Yep. and so um, we actually got into our very first business very young, but very determined. And our process, we kind of we went through buying that business. And the wonderful thing about being trained as scientists is that. We're very much into experimentation. So everything was always, okay, what can we do? Let's put it in action, see what happens, and then adjust from there. And, and we
2: should mention we had to because we knew nothing about business at all. We we grew up on farms and... Um When we bought that business, it was going backwards. We didn't know that at the time. We were given the wrong advice. And so that kind of got us fascinated. Okay, well, now we're going to go bankrupt here. What do we do to turn this around? And I guess we had to learn how to do things pretty quickly. So we are all self-taught. And we did really well. It was a manufacturing business. Built Um, it up.
0: Yeah, and that became a driving passion of ours because we never wanted to be in that situation again and so (laughs) we devoted a lot of our life and time and study to okay what makes a gives a business value and how do we avoid that situation and also how do we quickly and easily grow value in a business and so we started actually buying and selling on businesses and this was in the offline world 20 years ago um, where there weren't any internet businesses and so we'd buy and renovate and then sell businesses. And we kept doing that. And after a while, we did it so much, we actually ended up starting doing that professionally. So we got into business broking and we were working in um, big deals in Sydney, mergers and acquisitions and with private equity.
2: High net worth. Yep. Very, very successful entrepreneurs we were lucky enough to work with. And so it was just fascinating. We got to see how all these guys would value businesses and why they would buy them. And then basically, we applied exactly what we'd learnt doing that with websites. When the internet came along and it just went gangbusters for us, it was, yeah, so, the, much easier. It was so much easier. <laughs> so, in a nutshell, basically what we do
1: today is what we used to do with bricks and mortar businesses, but we do it online.
0: We find value and realise it.
1: Wow. I mean, what an epic journey from zoologists through to... <laughs> You know, the heavy-hitting M&A stuff, that's serious bickies. Yeah. And this online thing, I mean, it sounds like we have a few parallels because when I was at Mercedes-Benz, I was thinking how restrictive it was just being able to sell one product in one geographic area versus the worldwide internet. And I set about trying to figure out how to build a website so that I could reach a bigger market. And then I had to figure out what I would sell. But once I did, it just opened the doors for me. And now, I imagine you've got... An enormous amount of choice and options available to you which could possibly paralyze someone who's thinking about going into what you're talking about.
2: Totally. And that we're like little kids in a candy shop. It's like a dream come true. Doing what we do online is literally we can find or go any which way we want. And you're right, there is just so much opportunity. But Liz and I these days we've focused it down. We've got pretty set
0: very, well, we've very
2: set strategies of what we buy our background in bricks and mortar was always manufacturing or wholesale import businesses and that meant we always had our whole net worth tied up in stock in a warehouse somewhere in western sydney and that so we don't ever want to go back to that so online one of the big big drivers for us is we avoid e-commerce sites like anything Stop to do with business. stock not to say you can't make tons of money out of it they're no, awesome businesses. Can. That's just our – because of our background, with dealing with so much stock. We found it so much easier online. We just deal with electrons. All we do is sell advertising basically. They're the only sites we kind of buy advertising information and um, other people's products, so affiliate sites.
1: What about memberships? Oh, and those as well,
2: yes, because they sell
1: information. What about services?
0: Uh, We don't tend to do services. We sell leads
2: for services, Mm -hmm. so we always get a commission. That's how we prefer to do it. Gotcha. We just drive – we drive traffic, yeah, we're traffic and, um
1: yeah. I've definitely avoided e-commerce sites, but I did build and sell a couple of agencies, a website development agency and a search engine optimization agency, and... I was a bit like you. I went on that learning mission. There's lots of super fast business episodes in the past, talking to people about buying businesses, talking to people about selling businesses. And in a way, I was using that as my research tool to yeah. figure out how to structure things. And then, of course, I went on into revenue share deals where I can have a piece of the action without necessarily having ownership, but getting paid for the upside. Profit sort of, mm. uh, you know, money coming in, nothing going out and no liability. I'm just wondering, how many websites would you hold in a portfolio at any one time? Do you keep them or do you just buy and sell them quickly? Uh, Is it like having a lot of stock on hand or do you just take it one at a time?
0: Uh, It varies and, and we'll go deal by deal. So, we have some that we intentionally buy knowing that we're going to renovate them and sell and then most of them though we are buy and hold. We intend to hold for the long term and what our goal is whenever we buy a website is to pay that asset back to ourselves from the cash flow as soon as possible. So then we're trying to minimize risk as much as possible and basically get our investment back and then we're pretty free and clear and that's just cash flow. So yeah, like you just said, the goal is to own these assets basically free and clear and they're purely profit and that's a really nice position to be in.
1: Great. So we've established a bit of the background how you got into this and what you're doing now. You were mentioning to me some interesting information about the fact that you've encountered a few business owners who are sitting on a really valuable asset and didn't realize it. And you've had a few people asking this question, you know, how much is my business worth? And you've discovered that often it's a lot more than they think. So I'd love if you could tell us a bit about this topic.
2: Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah, we, we keep seeing this all the time and because of…
0: Because we're value hunters, I yeah, guess. Well,
2: well, we also we just take it for granted that… You know, we can see the value. We know what businesses are worth. And it's kind of funny for us. Sometimes it's a bit strange. Someone will be telling us about their website, particularly website businesses these days. And we're kind of looking at them going, you know, that's probably worth at least half a mil sitting there. And they get very excited (laughs) because they had no idea. And as Liz was saying to you before um, earlier, we literally keep getting people saying, I'm going to close down my business. And one of the most recent ones was actually a student of ours. She had an e-commerce site, my favorite kind, joke, but she'd had it for 10 years. She just sick of it. It's a classic story. Most business owners after about 10 years will get sick of their businesses. And um, she'd said to us, I'm just going to close the doors and walk away. And I asked her, give me some stats. What sort of traffic, how long you've been around, what sort of revenues are you doing? And when she sent it back on the email, I said, I think you'd better book in for a call with me. we better have a chat there. And this is a business she was going to close down and she ended up, we told her how to go ahead and sell it and who to approach and how you set it up. She did it. go, I won't say a name, but go girl. She did exactly as I said, this is over the course of just a couple of weeks, she had it sold. She got 80 grand for it. This is a business she was going to walk away. So that was for the database. And then, out of that, the buyer also offered her a six-figure job plus commissions on sales. Yeah. So, not bad. And she's free and easy. She's not tied to the business anymore. And it's more a mindset change for her, and we see this all the time with even ourselves when we used to sell our own businesses and with a lot of clients who have businesses that they just want to get away from. That's freed up her whole life just mindset-wise because she's now free and clear. Oh,
1: that's amazing. Look, I love how much you've been helping people. I've been exposed to that because we've been doing some work together since I first met you at a conference some while back now. And the more I get to know about your life, the relationship you have with your kids, your dedication and passion to sports, and how much you care about your customers with your events, the content that you're publishing, I know you've got a good heart. And I believe you've started developing a system to help people figure out how valuable their business is. Do you want to talk about that?
0: When we value a business, there's two parts to valuation. So do you want us to get into that and and describe that? I think that would probably help a lot of people because I, I think selling a business is one of those things that most people only ever do once in their whole life. And so it's not a skill you tend to develop. You're really busy doing the stuff in your business, doing the things that you need, you know you need to do to grow that business and to make things happen, but what you've got is this beautiful asset that has an incredible amount of value, but you can really not realize the full potential of that value if you don't understand how at the end point, it's actually going to be valued and sold. And um, there's two parts to that valuation. There's the profit multiplier, and then there's these, what we call our value adders, the, the value points in a business that kind of dial up or dial down that profit multiplier, because when someone buys a business, uh, whether they're a high net worth or a private equity firm or a multinational or down to your mar and par investor, what they're looking for is a return on their investment. They want to put money in and get as much return as they possibly can from it. So generally to start with, you value a business based on how much money it's making. Uh-huh. For a small business, that's usually somewhere between one year to three years profit. And for most people, for most smaller businesses, so let's say it's making a hundred thousand dollars a year, that means it's valued somewhere between a hundred thousand and three hundred thousand dollars. Now, what the magic is is yeah, there's a lot of difference between that a hundred thousand, getting a hundred thousand for your business and getting three hundred thousand, or add another zero to that, getting a million or three million. So wouldn't you like the extra two million in your <laughs> pocket um, just for knowing a few little extra things? So what we specialize in is knowing how to dial up that profit multiplier because that one to three times is only actually the beginning. We'll get into that in a minute, I guess. And it's
2: actually what you teach, James. Yeah. So it's, the profit multipliers you'll see fit exactly the sorts of things you're teaching in you super fast.
0: Yeah. So that profit multiplier, somewhere between one to three times, but then we get into those value adders. And um, for a website... Number one is, and if it's an offline business, we call it the property of the business, like the assets and the things that their business owns. But for a website business, it's usually around the domain name, the content and the network, that establishment in the marketplace and the connections and network that that business has within the marketplace. Because that's something that a new buyer or someone coming in in competition will find hard to create.
2: That's particularly attractive to big corporate buyers as well at the moment. Mm -hmm. If you want to do the 10 million plus kind of deals you've got to have a well-established website it's got to have a good property you know online presence that goes with it
1: gotcha so you want to basically it's as if you're going to own it and keep it for 10 years what assets would you like to have if you wanted to lock up the market you want to make sure it comes with those things yeah beautiful exactly so that's point number one
0: um, point number two is around, especially for smaller buyers, is around the lifestyle kind of thing. But yes. for larger buyers, it's about whether they can take this business and just have it run without them and either put a manager in there or add it to another business. And that's around the systems and the automation of that business. Oh. And the more systemized and the more automated that business the higher the value because obviously someone's going to be far more willing to pay more for a business that they don't have to work in than a business that they've got to slog their guts out.
2: And we're seeing that a lot now with, as Liz just mentioned, I do want to highlight it, is interestingly, this is with smaller website deals. There's a lot of people want to get out of their PAYG jobs or skip the commute, so they're happy to pay good money, good multiples for businesses that are very automated so that they can run on the side or do that transition from PAYG.
0: And it's interesting, the valuations have changed so much over the 10 years that we've been investing in this marketplace. It was common back when we started to buy websites at three times monthly multiples, three to five times monthly. Oh, yeah. oh man.
2: Bring back those uh, <laughs> <laughs> Please, we made some money. Yeah, um.
0: but then, you know. 10 to 12 times was is good buying, but now- That's we're, monthly Monthly, profit. sorry. In, monthly. in websites, we usually go by monthly profit rather than and yearly. Now, though, a good solid business with, system. with systems in place and, and running nicely is usually around 20 to 30 times multiple.
1: Right, and that's what I've- I always work to a multiple of some around two times annual profit as a sort of baseline number. Mm. But, you know, one of the interesting things when it comes to profit is- if the owner's been using some of the business income to fund their life, and then if they're drawing a salary and what their commercial wage might be valued at. Can you speak to that?
2: Yep, that's a really interesting point. It's actually simpler than typically a lot of accountants make out. When you're at the practical end of selling a business or a website, we always add do what we call add those back and basically it can become a negotiating point so what i mean by that is your classic accountant and valuing businesses kind of 101 is you've got to have a commercial viable wage in there to run the business now when you're operating as a broker you argue the case on that and say well no that's not the case because what you define as a whose definition is what's that worth so we always do an add back so if the owner is pulling money out of the business which they should be we just form that up as part of the net profit but then Sure, we go in and negotiate that at the end. So what that means is, in a nutshell, for businesses under a million dollars, small businesses or under a, particularly business under a hundred grand, the reality is the profit is what the owner's pulling out of it yep. And that's a good thing, especially if they're good business.
1: That's pretty much this profit is their wage, right? Yeah.
2: And you know lots of business owners don't be scared of running lifestyle expenses out of the business. a good broker or a good intermediary or advisor should be able to pull those expenses out and point out to the seller, look, this business, buyer. uh, to the buyer, sorry. This business is really cool. Look, the, the owner's sitting back making 300 grand a year. And, you know, out of that, they're traveling around the world. You know, they've got a car, they've got an office that they're paying off for their super fund, all that sort of stuff. That's really what they pull out. You now need to go away with your account and make a decision. What's it worth to you? But. That's how we build up the value in a business. That's one of the ways we do it.
1: That's a great tip. So basically, look for all the perks and make that part of the profit, which is going to get multiplied for the value. Yeah. So actually,
2: we're helping someone right now sell a particular website business. It just came through to us the other day, and um, I said to him the magic question: "Okay, how much profit do you make each year?" And he thought it was just a hundred grand a year, and I was saying, "Well." What else do you do in the business? What else you, and he's using it to fund another, the growth of another business. This guy's an entrepreneur. And, but what's really important is coming back to this point to systemization. When he says, I pull out a hundred grand a year, it turns out there's plus lots of other perks that he's pulling out of business. But the big one is on systemization. He's a systems guy. Uh So he barely works in the business. It's basically under management. So that immediately makes any money he pulls out of there worth a lot of money because he doesn't actually have to put a lot of effort into the business. So anyone that comes into that business, if they want to run it themselves, they can just add the manager's fee to their net profit. So, they're suddenly making a lot of money out of it, whereas he's had to pay a manager's fee to do it. So, it's, it's worth way more than what he expected that business. He was only going to sell it for 100 grand or something and was saying, no, you Probably three worth, times that. Probably worth three times that.
1: <laughs> it's funny. I had a reverse thing happen recently. I helped a client buy out his partner <laughs> and he ended up – instead of paying 2 million, he paid 300,000 for his half share, so I saved him. Right. Two and a half million dollars. <laughs> Because, you know, very it's like that great saying, you know, never believe a statistic you haven't manipulated yourself. You can do <laughs> a lot with, you know, with the spreadsheet and the yeah. numbers. If you have a good understanding of them and if you can argue a point, it can really make a big difference to the bottom line. It is so true. Well, by the way, just for, for recap, what was number one on the list? Property. Okay, the
0: property. Oh, yeah. The main name, content, network and a website.
1: Gotcha. So, what's number three? Systems was number two.
0: Then certainly in terms of... Website businesses, but all businesses, the list, like the the, the people, the list of buyers, the database of the people, the following, and a lot of it is around the loyalty and stickiness of that. Mm-hmm.
2: Can of I jump people. in, Liz, and point out that, James, you'll find this interesting. Believe it or not, stickiness is a private equity term. Yeah. Um, when you're dealing with website businesses and they're doing those big $10 million deal plus or $50 million deals, they literally look at the stickiness of your email or your database.
0: Right. Or your website.
2: So, so it's how much are they uh, are they engaged with your coming back because that's what a big corporate's buying. If they're going to write you a check for $60 million and you've got a big following, they want to know that that following is sticky. It's going to stay with them. And that to them is worth megabucks, which is to all of us, you know, it's pretty obvious, but it's a really important thing. So if you can show your email open rates or even if you've got a big social media following, any kind of following that you have or list you have, if you can
1: prove that it's really sticky, that's worth big dollars.
0: The DAU and the MAU, daily active users and monthly active users.
1: That's a nice one. Isn't it? Um, again, when I sold my business, the, the bigger one, it had a pretty sticky recurring database, in fact. I was still getting paid now on some original subscriptions and I sold that business <laughs> right. three and a half years ago. Nice. I was collecting the money in trust because I'd tied them to a PayPal account that couldn't be transferred. So, there was still a way around that, you know, collect the money and then reimburse it yep. on a regular basis. I've still got legacy customers from my old cart from six and seven years ago. Right. Which is fascinating, right? Sticky, sticky, sticky. Sticky, yeah, on Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, what would number four be? Traffic, the traffic, the, the people. All oh, right. And which traffic sources are considered good and which ones are considered risky?
2: So first and foremost, traffic's about quantity and quality, and that's what's considered good.
0: In uh, the well, deals that we've org-
2: been involved in, it's it is big
0: organic. It's they, organic. Want, they want yeah. rankings. They want a site that is coming up in organic rankings. But they want diverse traffic as well. They don't want to just be right. a whole… not consumer.
1: single point sensitivity. Yes, exactly. So, it's not all just off one Facebook funnel paid ads. Oh, no. Just, no, no, no. 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 You know, all your traffic's coming for one keyword that's ranking, yeah. et cetera.
0: Because that increases risk. Of course. Uh, so, you can see, um, obviously, and, and it's everything you teach, James. Um, we're, what we're doing is making this purchase as low risk as possible for the buyer. And the more <laughs> low risk we can make it, the higher the
1: valuation. Funny. Funny story around that is that my biggest risk with my business was that one customer was buying half the supply and I turned that into the positive making it impossible for him not to buy the business because he was going to get a
0: fifty he's
1: going to get a 50% rebate on every dollar he spent with the business and use that to fund the purchase I thought it was genius um, so the thing that was most risky for me was the least risky for him because he knows that he can control 50% of the business once he owns it.
0: Yeah, perfect. And uh, we actually had a friend who did exactly that. He built the website specifically to sell it to the main supplier and because his supplier had no online presence. Mm-hmm. So, he basically built a website here to, in Australia. to be the main distributor of that product in Australia via his website. And then at... Um, 10 days before end of financial year, 18 months after he started it, they came to him and said, okay, yep, we want to buy you. Here's a meal.
1: Right. So (laughs) I call that the suck eggs approach. And the last three properties that I started developing, I already know the buyer. In my mind, I know exactly who's buying it and we are building the website they should have built. So we're teaching them how to suck eggs. Yeah, yep. beautiful. <laughs> Hopefully, they don't listen to this podcast and they'll be more than happy to go ahead. <laughs> 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 just it it's a little bit smarty pants, but it's also very strategic, like build the solution other people should have built. And here's a funny little side story to that the clients who I signed up when I quit my job at Mercedes-Benz, I used the exact same brief that I'd sent to the Mercedes-Benz head office for their website that I had all these suggestions for improvement and like how they could do their online marketing better. And I put together this big report and they basically just shoved it in a bottom drawer and ignored it. So, I took the exact same blueprint and I sold that to a lawyer and a car dealer and they signed me up. And away we went, I was able to quit the job. So if you can develop the plan that um, people can instantly recognize they should have done, by the time you've built it and if, a long way down the track, they can, they'll rather just buy it than to go and create it themselves, uh, because you've put in the work. You've harvested the grapes, you've put them in the vat, you've waited seven years, and now you've got the fine red wine. Yep. If they want to get that fine red wine, they can either buy the bottle or they can go and buy a vineyard and wait seven years. Yeah. yeah. And hope it works exactly. out.
2: Exactly. Yep. And that, that's what we're seeing in the market right now with the big, big buyers. Yep. They, they're they, buying time. They, they have no interest in building these websites themselves at the moment. That loaded with cash, they're literally just writing checks.
1: Kind of like Facebook buying Instagram yep. and Microsoft buying LinkedIn and and uh, yep. Linda, et cetera. So, what about number five?
0: Okay, number five. And go, harking back a little bit to the property and everything is the history. So, when ideally, again, talking about low risk, we want to see a good, consistent growth history. We want to see that it's been established. Obviously, the longer, the better. And also in the history, it doesn't actually matter if you've had down periods. Mm. That's a normal part it's of normal. growth of a business. But it's to see that that business has recovered from those hiccups or those dips. Ideally, you don't want to be trying to sell your business when it's on the down I don't know, it's suddenly tanking.
1: It's actually pretty common, isn't it? People get, they lose interest and they stop sort of updating it and they run it into the ground a bit and then they just sort of sell it for peanuts because yeah. they've let it go off.
0: And actually, that's, some, that's a really good point, James. And when you do decide to sell your business, when you've got that plan, okay, I want to sell, the most important thing we've seen it so many times when we're brokering people kind of let the energy go, the emotion Mm. drops, and they suddenly stop doing the stuff in the business that they need to do to keep it going. And while it's on the market, it starts dropping and dropping and dropping, and that's the worst thing that can happen. So when you go into that sale mode and decide, yes, I'm going to sell the business, then's the time to really get focused and stay in the business just for the time when you're selling it. Don't let it go at that last minute.
1: Yes, you've got to keep the momentum up even though. And I've also found both with my business and with others that there's often like a last minute change or something that shifts that tries to unsettle the deal or make it difficult and you can sometimes lose your cool and blow it. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that before? Yeah.
2: Multiple times. It's a classic. (laughs) One of our mentors, who's a guy who's worth 50 mil plus and he bought and sold lots of businesses and we acted as a spotter for him and um, he's to teach us he'd say matt you watch what happens when we're negotiating with this particular private equity firm or whatever they do what's called ebit grind and so they agree to your sale price yep. and then when they're doing the due diligence process and in particular as they get closer to the cutoff date they grind down the ebit they keep coming back every second day with their accountants saying. Can you please explain like this in your figures? And they basically grind down your EBIT and they try and prove that it's not as Can high. Can you explain
0: what an EBIT is? Oh, an actually. EBIT
2: is your net profit, earnings before interest and tax. So in that instance, though, the good news there is, though, if you've got an advisor on board, it's not a problem because it's just a game that these guys play, especially the more aggressive venture capital firms or private mm. equity or big time buyers. Some of There's certain groups that are well known for doing that. The good news with website, so he was from, and this is when we're bricks and mortar business, what we've observed though with good website businesses, you tend not to say, I haven't heard of that happening as much because with website business, it's pretty clear cut what the profit is pretty hard to grind down the
1: profit. It's often, it might not just be profit, it might be that they uh, figured out they have to, you know, they involve a lawyer and to go through the terms and conditions and there's like one condition where they, well, typically what lawyers like to do is transfer all the risk to the other party if possible because
0: <laughs> they know
1: they're going to get paid a lot of money to balance it back out from both lawyers working on it. <laughs> Yeah. It's a classic lawyer trick, and one that I'm not fond of. No. Or you know, some other buyer comes into the ring and offers something else. Like what happens when you try and buy a property off auction? There's always mysteriously another buyer who's offering more, just as you're going to do the ex- the settlement. So just basically keep your eyes peeled until you get the keys to your business. There's expect the unexpected would be uh, my tip there. What about number six?
0: Yes, Well... Um, or- In terms of, actually, one quick story around the history, one thing we do want to actually add is that it doesn't matter, even if your business is being disrupted, even if it is in the downtrend, that doesn't mean you can't sell it. Right. And actually, we've just helped a couple of our clients. They were being seriously disrupted by the internet, by import, like they were a wholesale and importer. They were really struggling because of the rise of Amazon and all the online retailers. But- Still presented in the right way, we managed to help them get out of that business and get a decent sale price and come out. We're, you know, they were staring down the barrel of bankruptcy, oh. but. Where you, it's still possible They'd to get need an out. ambulance <laughs> for that don't ever <laughs> don't ever give up like it just because your business is if it even if it is having struggles, presented in the right way there's yeah, always value, there's always value. and yep. they had
2: a lot of history history was really big actually with that particular business mm. and you want to here's a really cool thing the outcome of that story james these guys are awesome operators because of their background in business as well and they, they just took like what is it ducks to water with the internet because they've been disrupted so much by the internet <laughs> they went
0: fine we're going to use this damn it. thing <laughs>
2: and so now they have 100 their students of ours they have hundred thousand dollar months now in profit right online from businesses that i am glad to say don't involve have stock, no
1: stock. <laughs> oh yeah i can relate to that it's a beautiful thing isn't it,
2: it is a beautiful
1: everyone thing. could do with a hundred grand profit a month in their life i can tell you from yep. personal, personal experience it is a life changer And well done, them being ducks to water. Yeah. So, what about six? I'm so keen to know what six – that's my favorite number, by the way.
0: Ah, well, there you go. Six is around the niche, like the topic, like the industry. If it was an offline business, it would be the industry it's in. And thinking about the popularity and the trend of that niche and that industry. So, obviously, if it's a rising niche and a rising trend, it's easier to show value and show potential ongoing value. So, that's the other thing when we're selling a business – We need to show the buyer as much upside as possible. And if we're in a rising trend, in a rising market, obviously that's a lot easier to show.
2: I can think of a really good example here. So particularly online, the niche is if you want to maximize, we're talking about value adders, right? You can make money in any niche online, but the big ones currently here, probably in Australia, giving away some industry secrets, but I can tell you there's some big, big buyers in the travel niche, insurance niche, car niche. Property. Um, Property, but finance, anything to do with finance because the leads are worth so much. But particularly, so the classic, which you would expect, they're sort of the niches, well, listen, and I take it for granted, I'm presuming most people realise they Now, you look at travel, it's just enormous. It
1: was one of the first ones. It was the disruption of travel that right. that um, put a lot of pressure on my parents' travel agency and yeah. caused me to start paying attention to the internet. Yeah. Property was one of the first ones as well, from memory, the accommodation yes, and so forth.
2: Yeah, so there's niches like that. If the website is in one of those niches, they will be viewed as, you know, highly valuable or well, more so than, say, if you had a website in to do with red kangaroos or zoology. <laughs> you know, no one's interested in that sort of stuff, unfortunately. Sadly, Sadly. Sadly not. So, yeah, so if you, if you can get into a good niche. Big bonus points there, particularly with big corporates and stuff.
1: That's it. I've definitely widened my um, catchment. This is where people say the riches are in the niches, right, especially if they're American because if an Australian says that, we say niche. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's
2: true. Yep.
1: I've chosen really big markets for the content sites that we're working on now that have broad appeal. And I've never been afraid of a general market. What are your thoughts on that?
2: If you can get it to rank and you can own a position in that marketplace, then it's highly, highly valuable because it is more competitive now in those, in those big competitive niches. Everyone knows it's a lot harder to get into. So the classic one we talk about all the time is travel because we know of some big deals that have been done in there and we've worked with people in that space and Now, I've always wanted to rank a site really highly in that. And travel, when you think about it, if you'd say the travel niche, far out, that's broad. And similarly, let's say the health niche, absolutely broad, massive niche. And we advise our students when you're starting out, always go really, really niche in a niche like health. But like you're saying, if you can go broad and you've got a good ranking site that's broad, then yes, it's definitely worth big bucks. You'll see it day in, day out, anything in the health niche that's broad. Well, that,
0: and that plays on history and position in the marketplace and all the other and a, the val- sort of points of value within a business. If you can successfully create a system that drives leads and makes profit in a competitive niche, and that leads us to number seven, which is around the competition. competition. Yeah. Competitive niches, if it's a business that can compete or is doing well in a very competitive niche, that's... More highly valuable, of course, than a business that's in a very small, quite tight niche.
2: So similar to what you're saying, James, you know how you're saying never be scared of going broad, Uh we also to say very closely aligned to that what liz is saying don't be scared to go into competitive niches as well because that's where the money is
1: yeah and it reminds me of richard Koch's star principle for investing he wants the fastest growing company in the fastest growing market yeah like yeah and that's it's his recipe for success what about eight bring us home with the big finale and bring this, is us a, home. this is our favorite one this is how you turbocharge everything and you
0: touched on this or James.
1: Oh, I like turbos. Can you supercharge it as well? Yeah, you yeah. no, know, this
2: is how you, this is are we allowed to use the cliche this is how you make money out of thin air, but it is with business sales. We learned this when we're doing bricks and mortar and we see it with website businesses. Believe it or not, this is kind of a wealth mindset thing too when you think about it. Mm-hmm. When you sell a business for say under a million dollars or under 500 grand, it sells on a 1 to 3 times multiple. Mm-hmm. It actually gets easier the bigger the business goes. right. So our point number eight is having the buyers. And in particular, so like you said a bit earlier in in the podcast here, kind of knowing who your buyers are going to be and setting it up for sale. If you want to turbocharge a strategy, why not go for a big sale because it actually gets easier.
0: So a good example of this is a business that Uh, Actually, some guys who we know in the Mergers M&A space. Merchant
2: Bank in Sydney. Yeah, And what they found was there was a lovely ma and pa couple in a particular niche here in Australia who were ranked on page one. And it's a very competitive niche. And these guys, they were struggling. They weren't making the bid money. They were doing okay. This was their full-time business. They were doing Okay. Um, But it was tough for them, and I think they're just making money out of AdSense, which is that's okay. Now, if they tried to sell that website business to an ordinary buyer on an ordinary marketplace, they would have sold it for less than a million dollars. But luckily, they did meet these guys, this merchant bank. These merchant bankers were telling us, because Liz and I did a bit of um, work with these guys, And it's a really, really interesting story. What they did, they had an idea of who the buyers could potentially be, big corporate buyers, very, very well-known here in Australia, very high net worth, basically the biggest media buyers in Australia, but not just one, there were several of them. And so what they did, the Merchant Bank, they went to position number two in Google at the time in this niche, Uh and they said, look, we've got an opportunity here. We can bolt you both together. By doing that, we get your net profit up. It's a far more attractive proposition to these potential buyers and we can sell out for a way more money than what you are at now. And the bottom line is they did a, I'm not allowed to say the actual price, just in case anyone knows who I'm talking about, but it was eight figures. Wow. So and in the tens, tens of, of millions. millions. So this ma and pa who are struggling over seemingly overnight became multi, multi-millionaires and are very, very
0: happy. And that was purely through the magic of valuation and stepping up the profit multiplier to that next level. So EBITs of under a mill, Generally, we're still looking at it somewhere between one to five times, and that's kind of where you can get to because you're looking at buyers who have often have to get finance, often have to raise money, yeah. do
1: all those kind it's of. It's not often someone will get all the cash up front, is it? No. no, yeah, no, very rare. Very rare. Whereas
0: once you step up to that level of over a mil, and so maybe somebody, you know, some of your listeners might be thinking, okay, well, how could I – this is the way to make it easy on yourself rather than slogging your guts out to try and build a bigger and bigger business, what you can do is be a bit smart and think about, all right, well, how could I, and exactly what you're teaching too, James, who could I work with, Uh how could I, what could I bolt together in order to create a bigger business quite quickly that hits that nice magic ebit of a mill or more and then you start to get to the point where we're talking five to ten times multiples or if you get bigger than that and even list on the stock exchange, we're talking up to 25 times multiple. In and this is the same business but the valuations are different because of what can be done with those businesses from a corporate point of view and a lot of these guys have such deep pockets
1: yeah it's a massive tip um, so especially if it's them. a strategic
0: yeah if it's a strategic buy for them then you know money is no object
2: so they're on the hunt so a big tip for anyone listening is it's what you teach as well james from our point of view the big tip is if you can get your we call it an eBed, i should use like layman terms just net profit if you can make over a million dollars not revenues real money profit over million, a million dollars. Your life can potentially change. Your business is probably worth way more what than you single? realize.
1: Oh, happy days. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so yep. You guys are awesome. This is so valuable. And <laughs> it's our favorite topic this bit. <laughs> well, we'll start, let's have a little quick recap, shall we? Yep. yep. So, what we're really looking for, there's a couple of parts of the valuation. There's the profit multiplier and there's the value adders mm-hmm. and if it's under a mil, might be two or three years, maybe up to five. If it's over a mil, could be up to twenty-five times. You know, mm. if it's share listed or whatever. The value adders are one, the property itself; two, the systems. Does team fall within systems? Just out of curiosity.
2: Yes, because that helps you automate. Everything. Yeah,
1: figured it was. I was waiting for that to come up because I'm. I know it was a big part of my sale. You know, thirty-eight people went along with it. Yes, yes, yeah. Three, database loyalty stickiness, uh, the following four is uh, traffic and we like organic if possible, nothing single point sensitive. Five was a history, you know, does it look like it's had a good run? Six is the, the topic of the industry. We want to see what sort of upside is possible. Seven is competition and positioning. Eight is have the buyers in mind and turbocharge it, maybe merge with someone. It's kind of what reminds me of what I'm doing with RevShares is I'm piggybacking in with someone on their business to help them speed it up and grow it because I really only get paid on revenue growth mm-hmm. and we have an exit planned in mind in the beginning and everyone's happy when we get a big payday. So, yeah. this is really right up there. with one of the most valuable episodes Perfect. we've done here at Super Fast Business. We'll definitely put that list available at episode 704. Now, if someone's got a business and they want to chat to you, is that something you can do? Do you have a way to contact over there at ebusinessinstitute.com.au?
0: Um, yeah, sure. Just email us in. So info at au, and, um, yeah, get in contact and you never know. <laughs> What your business is worth. Oh. Now obviously we're not brokers. We're, we're, not, we're, not, we're, we're not we don't as broker brokers. Broke
1: deal. You teach people this stuff like yes. right? you guide them through it. You got Yes. Yeah. So you're not the brokers, you're not the service that will go and negotiate on their behalf, etc. You're just super knowledgeable on it yes. and helping people do this themselves, right? Yep.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So we used to do that for, we did that for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but these days we just love living our lives and but we're lucky in that our networks, we hang out with a lot of people that do constantly buy and sell businesses and particularly websites. And we just love talking about those big, big deals because yep. we take it for granted. And, you know, anytime you want to talk about the big deals, we're happy to do that again.
1: Awesome. Yeah, well, we, We'll definitely have you back and talk about more. If we get comments or questions around this episode, that will certainly help. Uh, so... If you listen listening to this and you enjoyed it, please share it on social media or let someone know if it's going to help them if they're thinking about selling their business. I found it tremendously valuable and I've bought and sold businesses. I'm lucky because I get to speak to Matt and Liz on a regular basis. Guys, are you coming to Superfast Business Live? We certainly Absolutely. are. Of course. We loved it last year, it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to sharing some stories and a meal and chatting with you more about this. Thank you so much for coming and sharing. I uh, really appreciate it. Thanks
0: yeah.
1: so much for having us. Our, Our pleasure. pleasure, James. Discover how to build your business super fast. Check out superfastbusiness.com. Thank you.